Blog Talk Radio. International, Radio International, and this week's live broadcast of the Way of Healing. My name is Susan Brozek, and I'm a licensed clinical Christian psychotherapist and founder of Healing Word Psychotherapy Services, my private practice. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Tonight, we're going to be taking a look at recognizing unhealthy thinking patterns. How to identify and change our default patterns so we can gain lasting victory in our thought lives. And this is going to be part one of a two-part series. Um, so just as some, by way of some general background and context for this program, uh, many of us have self-talk, I'm sure we've heard that term, that often goes unnoticed as we proceed throughout the course of our days. And when we don't pay attention to the thoughts that come and go in our minds, it can lead to mood changes, unstable feelings, and even affect us behaviorally. So tonight's broadcast will help you identify thinking patterns that don't serve any beneficial purpose in your life and which may even be in opposition to what God says in his word. It will help you to take renewing of your mind to a whole new level, and we'll be taking an in-depth look at different ways that our thoughts can affect and even sabotage our actions and how we can learn to align them with the truths of the Word of God. So with that groundwork laid, I want to focus the majority of our time this evening on recognizing our unhealthy thought patterns. And uh, in my private practice, I am known as a cognitive behavioral therapist, which is just a fancy term um, for how you think can produce how you feel, which produces your actions. And that really does uh, circle back to scripture, which says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the type of biblical uh, therapy that I practice um, centers on the word of God and using that as our true and transformational source of healing power in an individual's life. So as we uh, look at our thought patterns, um, since we can't change what we don't acknowledge, it's important to describe in some amount of detail the various ways that we can allow our thought patterns um, to uh, recognize our thought patterns if they begin to take a turn for the negative. So that is part of what we're going to be doing tonight. And in the second part of this series, um, which will be the next broadcast, we'll look at remedies and antidotes for the unhealthy thinking patterns that we may have. So this is crucial to recognize our negative thought patterns because these thought patterns can form belief systems. 
And if our belief systems don't line up with the truth of God's word, we can really risk being led astray, especially in this in this hour. Um, there are so many different schools of thought and different belief systems and different viewpoints on everything that's going around and going um, that we hear about um, each and every day um, via news, via Internet, however we gain our information. We see a whole range, a whole gamut of thought uh, patterns and belief systems. We have to know that there is one true framework for all of that, and that framework um, is the Word of God. Think of it as the, the filter or the lens that we view the world through. Um, our view of the Lord is our Christian worldview, and how we interpret the events that we learn about um, needs to be within that biblical or Christian worldview, which is the Word of God. And he's given that to us so that we don't become deceived, so that we can keep our thoughts and our minds stayed on him, so that we can receive the peace that Christ gives us so that we can live out these days with a solid foundation under our feet as we walk in this world, which has basically turned upside down in that they're calling evil good and good evil and so forth, and so that we can have that um, strong platform of truth upon which um, to make the decisions um, that we make in our lives and to view the world. So that's why this is so important, and this, I believe, is why the Lord laid it heavily on my my heart to do a two-part series um, on this topic because we're in such um, a really volatile season um, in human history, and we really have to know where our thoughts might lead us potentially down a slippery slope and we need to be aware of that and we need to catch that before we go too far down that we aren't able to turn things around so tonight I'll be unpacking for you about 25 different thinking patterns um, that all have the capacity um, if taken to extremes to lead us down a path of thinking that does not line up with um, God's word and what his word says to us about renewing our mind um, and then again, next uh, next month for part two, we'll be taking a deep dive look at how to renew your mind at a whole new level and um, how to change these negative thought patterns around. But because there was so much material um, and I am limited on time, I wanted to divide this into two parts. So tonight we will um, we'll start by looking and acknowledging um, whether some of these apply to us. And it's, it might be uh, a good thing to consider to make notes of which of these patterns apply to you. These are all um, pretty much common to man, these uh, thought patterns that I'm about to introduce to you. And then um, for our next broadcast, you'll, you'll be able to have an idea of the ones that you fall um, into. So not all of these are going to apply to everyone listening, but some will apply to some. And some of them may very heavily apply to you, and some may apply only occasionally. Some you may notice um, as having been in a family line pattern, so it might be familial in that sense um, that it comes down through your family line. Um, or you might even recognize some of these thought patterns in other people. But for our purposes, we want you to look at yourself. It would be very easy to, to spend um, this time 
trying to point out thought patterns and others and uh, throwing them under the bus, so to speak. But this is really something for yourself so that you can recognize it in yourself. And um, it's pleasing to the Lord when we take time to do things like this uh, because he wants us to, um, he wants us for our own sake to be able to test, um, you know, what we see in here, test the spirit, and and line them up with the word of God and, and be as Bereans and seek out um, the truth, the, the whole truth, and also to know the whole truth and the, whole count, the full counsel of the word of God. So if our thought patterns are off, we're not going to be able to have as much of a, an openness to understanding and to um, adhering to um, the precepts that are found in God's word. So there are multiple reasons um, why I believe that this is an important uh, topic for, for some in-depth discussion. So with that said, um, we're going to go ahead and start with the first one. As I said, there's about 25. And see if you recognize yourself in any of these. I will read uh, the title of each. I'll give you an example of it. Um, and then say a, a few words after that. So the first unhealthy thinking pattern is something called excuse making. And excuse making, I'm sure we're pretty clear what this is. Excuses are made to protect or justify, or you could say rationalize, our own behavior or the behavior of others. So this is a pretty basic unhealthy thinking pattern. So if you have done something wrong or you didn't come through on something, sometimes a person will um, just try to make an excuse for that behavior. Well, I couldn't because I, I was too busy or, you know, I, I wasn't able to get there because, you know, fill in the blank with the excuses that we've heard people say over the course of a lifetime. Um, the reason why this is unhealthy is that it doesn't, um, it doesn't pull ownership. In other words, we're not owning our behavior if we're making an excuse for our behavior. Both can't be happening contemporaneously. Um, so if you're excuse-making, you're not owning. Um, okay, the second one is called polarizing. And polarizing is a term that um, describes viewing situations or people as all black or all white with no gray or in-between areas. Um, so you're viewing situations or people in all or nothing terms. This is an extremely unrealistic way of viewing the world. So an example of this would be someone who says, I get rejected by everyone, or it was a complete waste of time, or nothing I do ever turns out right. Um, these are some, some statements that may resonate uh, with you, or you may have heard them said, where there's, it's very dogmatic and there's no room for um, any gray area whatsoever. It's all or nothing thinking. I, out of all these that we're going to be going through, um, this one is particularly precarious because um, I think it's very prevalent. Um, a lot of people and the, how I can justify that is saying in 25 years of practice, 
most of the patients I've had have had some level of black and white thinking, which is polarizing. Um, and what this does is it sets a person up for extreme disappointment, and it also sets them up for skewed and unrealistic expectations. So if you're constantly thinking that things are going to be all great or all bad, I mean, there's not much room for anything else. So this is a real setup to have your hopes dashed, your expectations crushed, um, really need to be careful with this black and white thinking. Now, I'm not talking about the truth in the Bible. Obviously, truth is truth, and, and there is black and white in the Bible. Um, in certain ways, if you want to characterize it that way. I'm talking here about the way we perceive things. This is about the way that we think about things that are not helpful, um, and they are unhealthy thinking patterns. So the third one uh, is blaming. Again, sounds pretty self-evident. This is a pattern of avoidance. Um, It's an excuse of choosing not to solve a problem not to take action or make choices. It builds up resentment towards someone else for causing what is happening. Blaming gets the focus off of ourselves and onto others. So again, kind of dovetails off of excuse making, but blaming is a pattern of avoidance. And it's a a consistent choice to not solve a problem, which is just a little bit different from excuse making. Um, And so when this gets carried on um, for periods of time, blaming um, can become such an ingrained way of thinking and such an ingrained pattern that a person can get to a point where they actually automatically um, deflect blame onto someone else and they can't even recognize their own role in the situation because they've been defending against it for so long. So again, like I said, these taken in extremes can become very slippery slopes. So being aware of them up front like this is the the best way to not uh, fall into them. Um, Okay, the fourth one is called catastrophizing. Um, So if you think of the word catastrophe, it's something horrible that happens. Catastrophizing is Imagining and predicting the worst-case scenario at the onset of even the smallest of problems. So we believe that what has happened or will happen will be so awful and unbearable that we won't be able to stand it. So you might say something, the self-talk that I referenced before, you might say something to yourself in this situation, it would be terrible if I failed or if I can't, um, achieve such and such, my life will be over. Um, you know, I, you may, in terms of medically, you might find, let's say you find some type of sore on your arm. Oh, my gosh, this must be cancer. You know, this is the type of thing where um, the thinking just goes so far off the rails and it goes to the absolute worst case situation that you can imagine and it it actually um, is one of the main thought patterns that drives anxiety and anxietal thinking Uh, because when you're catastrophizing and you're imagining um, all of these worst case scenarios obviously 
your uh, physiology will respond. And in this case, anxiety will be uh, provoked um, if you're in the middle of, of this thought pattern. Um, so be aware of whether you tend towards catastrophizing and always thinking about the worst that could happen. Um, the next one is called rationalization or justification. Um, and this is simply a way of explaining the reason for things. And this actually serves to keep us stuck in the problem. If we're constantly rationalizing or justifying our behaviors um, or even our feel feelings, it keeps us stuck. We can't go anywhere. It's, it's kind of think about you can't drive a parked car. If you're just stuck in this, this mode of rationalizing, justifying, um, you won't be able to uh, use your reasoning capacity um, to think of solutions for the problem because your brain is in a mode of looking for um, other ways to substantiate your choices. So with this, uh, just be aware that if you do do a lot of rationalizing um, and justifying of your actions, that it will keep you stuck right there. So you have to make sort of an intentional and deliberate choice, and we'll talk next time about how to break some of these uh, unhealthy patterns. You have to make an intentional choice um, that you will cease the rationalization and make a choice to go forward with a solution. Okay, um, so the next one is something that I call the shoulds. And this also, I think, is one of the most dangerous um, uh, types of unhealthy thinking that a person can have because of what it can do in the long term. It sounds pretty innocent uh, off the top. But when we talk about the shoulds, we, we interpret events in terms of how things should be or how we think they should be, rather than simply focusing on how they are and on what is. I should do well, or I should like this, or I should feel this way because I'm here, or I shouldn't feel this way because I'm there, or whatever the, the situation may be. It's putting a, a judgment and an expectation on yourself instead of allowing yourself to live in the moment and feel what you feel. And that's what makes this dangerous, um, especially when you are putting that onto another person. Well, you should have blank. You should have known. You should have done it this way. You should have not done it that way. You know, there's all sorts of applications. So this one is a situation where you can look at it in terms of yourself, um, if you're a person that, that thinks you should always be behave in a certain way, um, if you deviate from somebody's expectations of you, that shame is piled on you, that's very unhealthy. Like I said, judgment comes with this. I'm not talking in a biblical sense here where, you know, it says we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Yes, that's a should that we, we need to do. I'm talking about, again, perceptions and thought patterns when it comes to um, how we are looking at trying to renew our minds to the word of God, um, but also how we relate to other people. So be aware if you put shoulds on yourself or on a loved one in terms of how they should act or how they should feel or how they should think, that can become a source of um, 
tension and a problematic relationship for sure if that is present. Um, there's also that phrase, shoulda, woulda, coulda. That's kind of a regret orientation type thing where um, you're looking back at a situation and um, analyzing it in retrospect um, with regret, and that doesn't do any good either. We'll get into that a little bit further. It's down the list that I have here for you. Um, so the next one is called personalizing. And what this is, is we attribute a disproportionate amount of the blame to ourselves for negative events. And we fail to see that certain events are also caused by others. So somebody might say, this marriage ended because I failed. You know, it's it's this kind of the opposite of some of the others we talked about. This is someone who takes everything and blames themselves for it. And this can lead uh, to a platform of depression. If you recall, I was talking about catastrophizing and um, yeah, how that can lead to a platform of anxiety. Um, but in this case, personalizing can lead to a platform of depression. In some cases, these aren't hard and fast rules. I'm just letting you know some possible outcomes. Um, and if you're constantly putting all the blame on yourself for things you didn't even do, um, that that really does also go to some self-esteem issues. But um, the thought processes can certainly become um, detrimental uh, for you to break out of and realize that there are other people involved. Um, you've heard the phrase, it takes two to tango. One person can't be to blame for all the problems in the world at all times. And I, I am using hyperbole there, but this is something that a lot of people fall into, and they, they do blame themselves. It's quite sad, actually, uh, for things that they had nothing to do with. So uh, moving on to the next one, unfair comparisons. This is we interpret events in terms of standards that are unrealistic. For example, we focus primarily on others who do better than ourselves and find ourselves inferior in our comparison to them. He is more accessible successful than I am might be an, an example of an unfair comparison. And typically, I, when I work with patients and talk about comparisons, I, I always have to bring it up in the context of comparison robs you of your contentment. And the reason it does that is because the Lord has given you what the Lord has given you, and it does absolutely no good. Um, to be evaluating yourself based on what he's given to another person because each person along with their giftings also have um, to bear the um, the elements of that gifting that are not always so rosy. Um, and so to be comparing, we don't know the, the path that God may have asked another person to walk in order to, to have the ministry they have or whatnot. We can't um, fairly put ourselves in their position and then make it a, an evaluative judgment on it. Um, so be careful of comparisons. That is that, like I said, it's a contentment killer and it also can cause disruptions in relationships. Um, when we start to try to play that fairness card, which is not our card to play. And in fact, it shouldn't even be in our hand, so to speak. 
Okay, the next one, regret orientation, and I alluded to this briefly. We focus on the idea that we could have or should have done better in the past rather than on what we can do better now. So example would have been, I should never have said that, or I could have had a better job if I wouldn't have made such and such a mistake. It's these, um, and it's natural, obviously, to think back and look at what might have been done differently and more effectively. There's nothing pathological about that. What I'm what I'm stressing here is these, that these are patterns. So these aren't just um, thoughts that you might have once in a great while. That there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. When when it becomes habitual, when it's um, you know over and over and over again, a dozen times a week, a dozen times a day. Whatnot. When you start to notice that this is your pattern of thought, that is when we have to look at how we can change that. Because um, without getting into too much technical neurophysiology, um, if you think a particular thought over and over again, and we'll take regret orientation as an example, if you continue to ruminate, um, which is which is uh, which means to continue to focus on the same thought over and over. Um, I should have done better. I could have um, succeeded if I if I hadn't have done so and so. I shouldn't have done such and such. I shouldn't have said such and such. Those are things that if you stay in that and you can't receive the forgiveness of God or or, or forgive yourself if there was sin involved, um, that can really cause a change in the way that your brain um, is is operational. You can think a certain thought over and over and over again to such an extent that it actually does, and it can be seen on certain brain scans, kind of carve out a rut in your brain. Think of it as a bicycle tire that goes through um, mud. The more times that that tire crosses in that same crevice of mud, the deeper that crevice will get. That is a a very simplistic uh, comparison to what happens neurophysiologically in our brain when we keep rehearsing the same thought over and over and over and over again. And with depression, a lot of depression has to do with ruminating, which is thinking the same negative thoughts over and over and over again. Um, but the good news, which we'll go into next week, is that we can reverse that process, and that's the process that the Lord gifted us with called the renewing of the mind because his word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. So renewing of the mind is something that we can do to break ourselves of all of these um, unhealthy thought patterns. Um, So we will move on to the... Uh, the what ifs, I call them the what ifs. So this is an unhealthy pattern that um, where we keep asking a series of questions about what if things might happen and we fail to be satisfied with any of the answers. So this kind of uh, would go along the lines of yes, but what if I get anxious or yes, but what if I can't catch my breath or yes, but what if I fail? Um, you know, what if I make plans for a family reunion and it rains? What if I, um, you know, try to succeed at such and such and something goes wrong? What if I get in a car accident on the way to the grocery store? Some people live in a state of 
constantly um, having this sort of low-grade dis-ease, in other words, being ill at ease and wondering about all the things that could go wrong instead of focusing on what can go right. So when you're living in this world of what ifs, it's like your brain is constantly scanning the horizon for things that could go wrong. And what if this and what if that? And that obviously also can breed not only anxiety, but depression as well. Um, The next one is emotional reasoning. Um, And in this situation, we let our feelings guide our interpretation of reality. Um, So in other words, I feel depressed, therefore my job situation must not be working out because every time I go to work, I'm depressed. So basically it's a situation where you're letting your emotions rule you, and, and we, we cannot afford to do that. Um, yes, we have emotions. They are God-given, but we should not make a habit of making decisions based on emotions um, or let our feelings guide us Um, and interpret our reality for us because feelings are fickle. And what I mean by that is they can change from day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute. And there's not a steady, firm foundation when it comes to our emotions and our feelings. So we don't want to be making decisions or interpreting reality based on emotion. Um, The next one is called labeling. And I think what I will do in the interest of time is we'll just go through a few more of these. And then for part two of this um, two-part series, we'll finish up with the negative, um, the unhealthy thinking patterns, and then we'll go right into the renewing of the mind. Um, As I wanted to take a little extra time to explain some of these, um, because they're not always obvious right out of the starting gate. So if we look at labeling, Um, This is when we assign global negative traits to ourselves and to other people. Um, This could be an example of this might be someone says, well, he's just a rotten person or she's just a terrible friend. You know, these, these uh, very, um, you know, globalizing descriptors that um, are black and white and don't balance the picture. You know, a person can do something rotten or terrible. It doesn't mean that they're a rotten person. (laughs) So, again, with this labeling, it's really more of a harsh judgment and categorizing a person and then just um, kind of discarding them, if you will, um, because of maybe one or two terrible things that, that person experienced and acted in in poor ways or whatnot. Um, So then the person, um, we might just say, well, they're they're rotten. Well, that's not a fair, um, you know, way to evaluate someone because you're only looking at certain aspects. Is it the case for some people that they're pure evil? Yes, that can be the case. Um, We certainly can see that, and I'm not talking about spiritual stuff with this particular um, trait of labeling. It's more or less within the context of a relationship where somebody does one or two things wrong, and now all of a sudden they've been labeled terrible or rotten or awful or whatnot. So be aware of that um, globalization of 
putting a label of that level onto someone. Okay, uh, we'll go through two more. Um, discounting positives, which is kind of dovetailing right on what I was just talking about with labeling. We claim that the positive things that we or others do are trivial. So in other words, you're minimizing the good things that you do. You're minimizing the good things that someone else does. And I um, am a stickler on this with the patients I work with. I will not allow them to minimize the good things that they're doing because oftentimes the good things that they're doing are not small things at all. They're monumental in terms of their healing journey. Um, so it's not braggadocious, it's not prideful to recognize that you've made progress with something, to recognize that you have achieved a goal, for example. That's not prideful. Now, if you sit there and, you know, have to tell 90,000 people about it and, and you know, um, there's some other behavior that goes along with that, attention-seeking or whatnot, yes, then it certainly can become pride. But we have to give credit where it's due. And if you've been working hard on something and you've had a success with it, there's absolutely no reason to be discounting that positive achievement. Um, so another example of this is uh, discounting positives could be something like this. Well, that's what wives are supposed to do. So it doesn't count when she's nice to me. A husband might say, for example. So again, there's two faulty thinking uh, issues in that in that statement. Um, one is an expectation that's what wives are supposed to do or should do. We don't know what the person is referencing there, um, but they're negating and saying, well, therefore it doesn't count when she's nice to me. Um, another example of discounting positives or minimizing positives are those successes were easy, so they don't matter. So this would be somebody who maybe achieved some some things, but, oh, it was easy. Anybody could have done it. So what does that count? You know, it does still count, and it's something that we have to be aware of, not to be so quick to amplify all of our our wrong um, uh, wrongdoings and minimize things that we do well, or we'll have a skewed uh, skewed way of living in the other direction. I've heard once that pride is, um, it's not thinking too highly of yourself, it's not thinking too lowly of yourself, but it's thinking too often of yourself. So when you look at it that way, it's, if, you're, if your whole world is all about you, that would be pride. Feeling good about an accomplishment that was well-earned, not necessarily pride. So you need to be fair in your evaluations of that. Um, okay, and then our last one that we'll go through for today is called negative, fil negative filtering. We fo focus almost exclusively on the negatives and seldom notice the positives. Um, so this, it would be the opposite of what I just described in the sense of minimizing positives. This is amplifying negatives. This is um, not even noticing as anything good um, that is happening in your life and almost dismissing those things. So always looking exclusively at, on the negatives. Um, an, an example of that could be everything I try to start, I never finish. Um, 
it's impossible for me to ever set a goal because I never reach it, that type of thing. It keeps you, this one too, when you filter everything through negativity, it keeps you stuck and kind of paralyzed, if you will. Because if you have that mindset, where's the motivation to go out and try something new? You've already made up your mind that you're not going to succeed. You've already put a judgment call on it and, you know, said to yourself that um, it's going to be problematic. So it keeps people stuck and paralyzed right where they're at. So I hope you can kind of begin to see how when these become patterns in a person's life that they can actually cause substantial um, and unnecessary struggles. Um, Maybe some of these are familiar in your family lines or um, if you're recognizing some in yourself. The good news is, is that through the word of God, once again, the renewing of our mind, um, these can be changed. Is it easy work? No, and it's not something that's going to necessarily happen overnight. We can believe right away that these are faulty thinking patterns, but it's hard to break a lifelong pattern unless God miraculously and instantaneously delivers you, which he could, but most of the time he lets us walk out the journey for specific reasons. He's a God of the journey, not just the destination. And so as we look at these patterns, um, be aware of what you might fall into and maybe jot them down and realize that the Lord wants to heal our minds. And the name of this program is The Way of Healing, and healing begins with our thoughts. Um, That is what I believe the Word of God says um, when it talks about, again, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we have to inventory, as it were, a self-evaluation, as it were, of our thought patterns that are unhelpful to us so that we can then recognize them and make the necessary changes so that we, um, our thoughts become pleasing to the word of God and line up with his, or become pleasing to God and line up with his word. So that is what this two-part series is going to be all about. Um, I hope you were blessed by part one and that you'll tune in for uh, May's uh, broadcast of The Way of Healing. And we will finish this out and leave you with some um, great tools that you can use as you renew your mind according to the truth of the word of God. So that's all the time that we've got left for tonight. I'd like to close us out in prayer. Father God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, to speak to this important issue tonight, Lord God. And and so often we're not even aware um, of the way that we do view the world because it's been just such a habitual pattern. So I just pray, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, um, that you would help us to become aware um, that your Holy Spirit would nudge us, Lord, when we begin to go down um, a thought pattern pathway that is unhealthy for us, Lord God, that you would just help us to begin to acknowledge some of these things now that they've been pointed out, Lord God. And we thank you that you desire for us to have the mind of Christ. We thank you that you make a way for us to have that mind of Christ through the renewing of our mind. And so we just praise you, God, for all that um, you have enabled us to be able to do by 
um, the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for each one listening, Lord, just um, touch their hearts, Lord, minister to them in the ways that they need it and that only you know. And I just pray that they would be encouraged tonight, Lord, Lord as we, um, we acknowledge and examine ways in which our thought patterns can go awry. And as we look forward to learning tools, Lord, to bring them back into uh, alignment with the truth of your word, Lord. And I just pray a blessing, protection, safety, and health over all who are listening. And we ask all these things in your glorious and holy name. Amen. So thank you again so much. And I hope you'll join me in May for part two of this series on recognizing unhealthy thought patterns. If you'd like to contact me directly at Healing Word, which is my private practice, please feel free to call 414-254-9862 or visit my website at www.healing-word.com. Thank you so much and God's richest blessings be upon you.